You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, uh, it was a bounce back, if ever I've seen one today, following Friday's uh, Trump sell-off, Trump COVID-19 sell-off, call it what you will. We joined markets in Europe and Asia in rising today as traders uh, largely reacted positively to the possibility of US President Donald Trump being able to leave hospital relatively swiftly. The all share ended the day up uh, around 304 odd points at 54,524. All sectors uh, C-facing except for financials, down 1.5%. Uh, property uh, gave back smalls as well, 0.3%. Uh, following a pretty good week for the battered uh, South African property index, big uh, moves in multi-choice. It gained as much as 9.2% at one stage, its biggest intraday jump since the 10th of June. That's after it announced that France's group Canal Plus had acquired a 6.5% stake. We saw a big jump in Richemont as well. Uh, the RAND had a bit of a, a roller coaster. Today. It was stronger throughout most of the day, but I see has uh, ended uh, sort of whimperishing uh, at 16 rand 55 to the dollar. Uh, well, Trump is on the mend and tweeting up a tirade, so there's lots to talk about with Charles Bester, Wealth and Portfolio Manager at Career International, and Simon Brown, founder of Just One Lap. Guys, welcome. Charles, the theme in the market today is still very much all about that US election. Yeah, I think, um, good afternoon, uh, um, Michael and Simon and, and listeners. Yeah, very much so. I think uh, over the next uh, month or so, that will, all, all we'll be talking about and reading about in the newspapers. Um, at the moment, Biden has got a, a, what looks like a comfortable lead. But I'm sure um, Trump will do uh, everything in his powers to, to, to make that lead smaller and to try and get re-elected as the incumbent president. And, and we see now, with, uh, we need this positive for COVID, um, it is the most powerful position in the world, and it does have an impact on markets. And um, to, to be honest, since uh, his election four years ago, the market, in, especially in America, has done very, very, very good. Although we don't always agree with his methods and what he says, he has been positive for the market. And if you look at it, Simon, I think capital markets would probably prefer uh, a Trump victory, especially if Democrats uh, retain the House. Uh, and I think markets, too, can live with Biden, but they might be nervous about a, a Dem sweep. I think either way, markets prefer there's a bit of a check on, on power. But all in all, it, it doesn't look like an election in which a clear result would significantly affect the markets. I think probably the, the worst thing for markets right now is if uh, we get a no result, if something happens where it's contested. I think you're 100% right. Yeah, I, I remember back two, four years ago, and there was lots of concerns around the uh, Clinton victory and her take on the market. Um, at, at this point, you know, if, if Biden wouldn't get anything, it would probably be stimulus packages, uh, larger than it's currently, you know, potentially going to go through the, you know, it's going through the House, but not yet through the Senate, and probably won't get through Senate. Um, and that really, as you can know, that those packages will be good for the economy and, and good for underlying businesses. I think it's spot on. I mean, the, the, the key point is you don't want the clean sweep. There's always that sense of that sort of a, a you know, hold on power, you know, have at least one part of one of the three uh, in, in another party to keep a check, check on that power. But it, 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 the concern is more about, you know, we know we're not going to get a result in sort of the morning of the 4th of November with a lot of mail in, uh, but how long is it going to take and how congested will or will it want to be? And that probably is the bigger concern. 
Absolutely. Uh, we'll be uh, following the, uh, the the coming weeks very closely, uh, hosting panels uh, with uh, international watchers, observers. Uh, and as uh, Trump tweets today, he wants some uh, election poll watchers signing up. So uh, any takers there, Charles, uh, do you want to go over to the States and be our watcher from Africa to make sure that it's a free and fair election? <laughs> I'd like to go. I think it would be very interesting. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a volatile, but it's going to be interesting uh, uh, next four weeks um, with you know with both parties doing everything and throwing everything at the gauntlet and trying to win because the, you know, the, the Democrats see this as their, their their chance to get back into the White House and they've been trying they've been fighting and uh, have they got a good enough um, a candidate? Uh, uh, We'll have to see. Yeah, and as we know, despite polls and betting markets having Biden uh, out front, so we <laughs> certainly know what happened in 2016. Got it horribly wrong. Got Brexit wrong as well. Things can uh, swing, and they they tend to swing quite uh, wildly in this age of the internet, isn't it? We, it's almost as if we've reached uh, the the apogee of the internet, Simon, haven't we? It was always likely to breed fake news and confusion and conspiracy theory, but if you look at what's going around with uh, Trump's COVID-19 illness. It's uh, it's really peak internet. He's really sick. He's not sick. He's pretending. He's not pretending. There's a body double in the car. He may die. Who knows what to believe? <laughs> Mark, I think you're spot on. It really is peak internet. I also think it's probably worth you know, those of us, and I, I throw myself in that, and undoubtedly you as well, who, who, who sort of live in this bubble. We also need to remember, I mean, take Twitter as an example. There's only about 100 million, 150 million active users on Twitter, which is a lot of people. But that's not even, you know, if you consider maybe half of it's America. Um, it's actually, you know, not actually reality out there, to your point. It's, it's certainly not the, the, the truth on the ground out there. It is his opinion that is trying to influence, it's trying to sway one way or the other. And that's not even before we sort of start touching on, on, on you know, Russians and, and other sort of uh, organizations which we've had even locally with Bill Potter doing. It, it has become a, 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 a dumpster fire in places. And we can cure, I think we can be smarter around it, um, but certainly we're uh, going to log onto the internet and, and take it as reality because that reality changes by the second, depending who's trying to define it. Yeah, and speaking of the internet, one company that uh, was uh, tipped by some analysts to uh, be killed by Netflix, you know, and a video killed uh, the radio star. Well, radio's still here, guys, and I, I still think it's like that uh, in in one sense for your satellite TV operators like MultiChoice. They are competing with Netflix. They've got their show maxes out, and very interesting, uh, Charles, to see that uh, uh, Canal Plus, which is owned by Vivendi, picked up a 6.5% stake in MultiChoice. Could we be seeing uh, some potential corporate action here? Yeah, it's a very, very um, interesting news that we got today. And, and I believe uh, Canal 6 is probably one of the big, biggest competitors in Africa. So, yeah, maybe an uh, initial uh, stake that they're taking, and they, they might be talking to, you know, to, to relevant people to probably increase that stake over time. I think MultiChoice is a very valuable asset. Obviously, they are headwinds. But they still um, they have access to a lot of content, especially sports, super sports. And a lot of people pay that uh, monthly subscription just to get access to sports. And luckily, we've got rugby and stuff coming back now. So um, as long as they own that, uh, it's a, I think it's a valuable asset. I think they, they make a, you know, a good return on, on, on the equity. And if you're number one or two player in, in your 
geographic reason, reason, then you, you actually make good money. So, yeah, I, I think it would be a good investment for Canal Plus. Uh, Simon, what's your take on the news? Uh, the uh, share price certainly rocketed on, on the back of it, up 9.3% today. And don't talk to me about anything on Supersport involving Liverpool or, uh, or football in general. <laughs> Just talk to me about Multi-Choice, the company. I, 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 I guess what Charles saying. And I, I could, could be the, the challenges. In South Africa, we have, we have rules that basically say foreigners can't hold more than 20%. Um, and that's not multi-choice. That, you know, obviously, that's the holding company. Lots sits within that. So that gets complex. It, it might even just be what we see is uh, Canal Plus Plus is, is very much more focused on, on Francophone African markets. Multi-choice very much the leader in Anglophone African markets. Um, and, and maybe some sort of uh, uh, joint venture more than actually uh, an outright ownership necessarily. That's possible, but complexities with legislation. Some sort of sort of peace in our time because they've certainly uh, you know tried to encroach onto each other's territory, uh, and there might be some case of you know, maybe we can work together rather than than fight each other. And I mean that that would be good. I mean certainly mm. to your point, you know we all thought multi-choice was dead and buried. Um, you know they've done some innovative things in terms of you know bringing on Netflix, uh, their Showmax offering, uh, Amazon Prime as well to to, to uses of their box. So they certainly are fighting back. Uh, and, and this could position them fairly well within the sort of you know, Northern Africa and Francophone markets. And the momentum, certainly with uh, the share at the moment, it's up 55% from its 52 week low, just uh, 17% from its 52 week high, and uh, it's racking up uh, consecutive um, uh, strong days. So, certainly uh, something brewing uh, over in Randburg. Sassel, Sassel, the other big talking point. What, why, Charles, did the stock close down? And what was uh, certainly a positive deal um, on the face of things. What did shareholders not like about this transaction? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually very interesting when a, when a seller's share price goes down and the acquirer share price goes up. Um, the acquirer actually had the, the best performance in the S and P 500 on Friday. So it, the market tells you they they got a, that they got a bargain, and Sasso probably sold too cheaply. Uh, they mentioned that the replacement assets of those three units where they they sold the 50-50 or the 50 percent um, partnership is, is six billion dollars. So um, in, if we just like that, 50% of that is $3 billion, they pay $2 billion. So it looks, it, it, it looks like they sold it a, a billion cheaper than what the replacement value is. But I don't think Sussel had an, an option at the moment. They're trying to, to, to look at the balance sheet. They're trying to repair that balance sheet. So um, I think they went for this deal because they have the possibility to, 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 to stay and hold that 50% and maybe sell it down two or three years down the line and probably get a, a much higher price than they would have gone today if they had they sold mm. everything. So I think it's, um, they didn't really have the option. I think it was the, 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 the better of, of, of all the options on the table. But obviously the market didn't like it. The market priced those assets higher than they sold them for. And, and listening into that uh, call, uh, it's definitely an understanding here, Simon, between the parties that the remainder of the asset could change hands once the cycle has turned. So uh, the big question is, is the sale of the other 50% a condition precedent for that deal to be concluded? I, I, I think it could be. And I think, you know, as Charles says, you know, they got a really good deal there, I suspect. Sassel really has its back against the wall. Um, and, of course, there's still that potential actually lurking in, in what would be the, the first half of, of 2021, which is the second half of Sassel's financial year. And 
Um, and, and, you know, if they, like, two billion potential rights issues, not off the table, two billion, that's the single biggest rights issue we've seen in South Africa ever. We've had some big capital raises, but not in this sense. And, and I think that is still weighing on the market. I think they'd hoped that perhaps to, to Scholes Mass, you know, maybe closer to three, maybe three and a half billion. But truthfully, in this market, uh, that was deeply unlikely to happen. And, and two billion, I think, to your point, I mean, you said optics are good. I thought in the current environment, when you are a known fourth seller in essence, I thought two billion wasn't a bad price considering, mm. but not considering the value of the asset. Absolutely. It'd be really interesting, Charles, to see what kind of support this deal gets and uh, whether potentially this marks the beginning of a competitive bidding process for the asset. Do you think that's part of the strategy? If, if, I think if we see um, you know uh, more more bullish price movements in, in the underlying uh, commodities and especially in chemicals, then then, then it will happen. And I think you know those those chemicals are probably trading at a low point in their cycle. So I think it's a very good possibility that it might trade higher, and then it will attract uh, you know a higher multiple to to justify that. So, so I think Sasol's having the view that it is selling too cheaply and then trying to keep as much as they could. But um, they had to they had to strengthen that balance sheet. So I think there's a very good possibility that it might attract higher multiple going forward. Now, in a market where we've seen a lot of dispersion, and I'm going to be chatting to Chris Holdsworth of Investec about this, certainly in the U.S. market, we've seen something like uh, uh, 40-odd companies uh, surge more than 400% this year. We've also seen record filings for bankruptcy. So uh, you're either, either shooting the lights out or you're going out of business because of <laughs> COVID. We've got Baldwin today up, uh, Simon, 15%. That's after the announcement this weekend. Uh, officially, uh, the cutting of the ribbon around Moikler that uh, massive sectional title development out on the east of Pretoria and uh, looking at Baldwin's share price up 190% this year so far so uh, lots uh, uh, for shareholders to like Moy I think is the word that comes to mind yeah, yeah, Michael. Also, they they operate in, in the lower end of the market uh, predominantly. You know, even their their sort of their, their more upmarket uh, developments, and even those three bedroom units in those developments, uh, they start making the two billion. But most of it, sorry, two million, uh, slipped to be in by mistake. <laughs> uh, most most of their their properties are sub one and a half million, and that certainly is where we're seeing a lot of activity at the moment. You speak to estate agents; they're moving a lot of stock at the sort of sub one and a half million level. Uh, a lot to first time buyers. Especially, you know, the, the, the prime rate at seven percent. Even if your bank's only going to give you prime seven percent, is, is you know, well, I remember taking bonds north of twenty percent. So it's a really, really good rate. And so they're in that sweet spot. Um, and you know, tweets from the president always helps. And if every, you know, you're certainly not going to dissuade you in this sense. Um, and an interesting result, as you said, results coming out. Um, I'm keen to see what they look like. Although they're not going to cover much of this sort of. The, 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 the uptick in, in the sale activity, but an interesting one. And, and their, their competitor is Cogra in three, and my sense is from just the sort of product that they have and, and, and the stock that they have, um, I've typically preferred Cogra, but I think at this point in this environment, more mm. probably the better one to look at. Uh, very interesting. Simon, there, you're trying to do your uh, your best impression of uh, a businessman trying to get an, uh, a tender to fund the ANC, slipping in an extra billion over there. Uh, what's to look out for in markets this week? What are the big themes that are going to be moving markets this week, Sharp? Yeah, I think obviously we've mentioned uh, President Trump, so we hope for a speedy recovery and for certainty on that front. Um, I think we'll, we'll get news from, from the Fed. 
Um, we, we expect the state to remain you know, very, very dovish. We expect rates to remain at these very low levels for the, uh, the next couple of years. Um, and I, I think in the local front, it's, a, it's, it's actually a very, very quiet front. And what I'm looking at at the moment is, is the South African rand. I'm actually quite surprised that it has been to below a 60 rand 50. And I think these very, very strong technical levels, like, and, and it might see that breaks these levels it might even have a look at, at 16 and, and, and lower going forward. Our fair value closer to 50 as well. So yeah, we hope for that and there will be a great opportunity to take more money offshore. Absolutely. And then, Simon, what's in store on your uh, show tomorrow, which just uh, grows from strength to strength? What are you guys looking at? Uh, so we'll be chatting with Nifan Maya. We will be talking, and I'm particularly interested in, in, in uh, saying the multi-choice deal. But we're also chatting with Keith McLaughlin. He's been talking around ways to, to look to sort of boost the JSC. He says save the JSC, but I'm going to give Leila Free the pass there and say to boost the JSC. <laughs> um, and then returning to normal. You know, do we really go back to the new normal? I don't think so. I think we go back to new reality. We need to drive what that reality is. Simon Brown, founder of JustOneLamp.com and uh, host of uh, the Money Web Show in the morning. Great show that. Charles Bester as well, Wealth and Portfolio Manager at Career International with your view from the market.